You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I deal with this question. Okay, so let's talk about the idea of Leviim and Nachla first. So in Parshas Bahar, the Pasuk says, and let me make sure everybody can see it in a large way, and I can see it too. Okay, now this means that when you are selling, if you are a person who has inherited land, you're part of the, you can trace your lineage to the original tribes that settled the land of Israel. You can't, you don't really have control to sell that land. Because God is saying, it's, my, it's really mine. Because basically, everyone is a gear. I mean, God allows us to own this land and it's considered ours, but it's important for us to understand no one really has an inherent ownership on that property to do whatever he wants to with it. Because you're Geirim Vitoshavim. You live here, but you're not a Baal. And therefore, the, the Pasa goes on, Geula Titnularetz, wherever you have an Achiza, wherever there is the Jewish people, the laws of the land dictate how it works. You don't really own it. And that's, of course, one of the central motifs of the Shemitah year. Now, uh, as you can see, a couple of psukim later in Parshas Bahar, it says that if somebody has to sell his ancestral lands, it goes back to the original owner. And that is part of the rules that essentially God is the owner of the land. And therefore God decides that it's going to go back to that person. It doesn't necessarily, again, I want to emphasize, it says, the original seller, whether or Tim or his children, they go back to the land that they originally settled on, that they grabbed onto. Now, What's interesting is, if you take a look at the very next Pasuk in Parshas Bahar, we have this incredible exception. If a person sells a house in a walled city, so he has a year with which to redeem it. If he doesn't redeem it in a year, what does it say? Become habayas asher be'ir asher lo chomo latzmisus lakona. Now, this is the exception. This isn't like a field. This is a special type of house in a special type of city. Now, without getting into the rationale, what you see is you can sometimes sell something and it gets transferred. Meaning, even though the person you sold it to might be a gear, a levy, he might be somebody from, definitely from another shavit, somehow it isn't inviolate who is the owner of the land. In a certain situation, God decrees that it does go litzmisus. And now it belongs to this guy's family, whoever bought it. That's an incredible exception to the rule. Now, that's normally you would say, God wants it to be with these families. And even these families don't really own it. They sort of are bound by being connected to this land, but they can't sell it or get rid of it and take money. It's going to go back to them. But in certain cases, it can, there can be a total transfer. So you see that in some ways, the, this, this, it can actually go into a different tribe or even possibly to a Levi or a Kohen. But that's one exception, the bias Irchoma. In the same Perik, in Bahar, the Torah introduces us to the Levium cities. Now, this is sort of strange because the description of the Levium cities only occurs in Sefer Bamidbar, as you know. And yet, we are told about the Levium cities in, 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 in the middle of Parshas Bahar. So you need to sort of like flipping around. If you're reading the Torah chronologically, 
you have to say Levim cities. What, what are the? Oh, 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 look further. I'm sure you. Oh, God, you have to get a footnote. Oh, oh, there are cities that that the Levim get. Now, the Torah says Guulas Olam Hmm, which means this law that I just read doesn't apply to a Levi. If a Levi sells a house in a city with a wall. He gets it back, no matter what. A levy can always, a levy doesn't have to wait two years if he sells a field. A levy always gets his city back. And if Asher Yigomen a levy, if a levy decides to, the way Rashi explains, a levy decides to make something hectish. Um, normally, and let me, let me explain another uh, exception. If I uh, am one of the inheritors of the land of Israel and I um, make my field hectish, now why do I make my field hectish? Because I want hectish to make money. So basically what happens is, is that I can buy it back from hectish and give hectic. It's like a raffle. I can, like people, you know, uh, spend money on things that are worth much, like, like, like it, it's, it, it's a shtick for you to pay Hektish off or for Hektish to make money. And Hektish will make money. So basically the way it works is, is that if you are Makdish a field, this is the end of Parshas Bechukosai, if you are Makdish a field and um, Hektish sells that field till Yovel and makes money. When Yovel, uh, when Yovel uh, arrives, the original owner doesn't do anything. The field does not go back to the original owner. It goes to the Kohanim. So that's another case where the Levium, or in this case, the Kohanim, who come from Shevet Levi, get land. How do they get land? They get land from Hektish. So there are ways that you could subvert this principle of the Nachla of the land of Israel. There are ways that the Nachla of the land of Israel can actually like, change. Now, a Levi, however, cannot be, a Levi gets his land back no matter what. If a Levi makes his field hectish, even though he never had the money to redeem it, when Yovel comes, he gets it back. That's this Pasuk, where it says, Asher The Bate Levim is achuzosam betoch b'nei Yisrael. And that's what it says. They cannot be sold by the Gizbar and never get it back because this is Achuzas Olam Hulohem. So there are two things that I want to indicate here. Number one, the idea that it isn't so inviolate as we think. It is a beautiful system, but there are some interesting exceptions where land can be transferred in perpetuity to someone who's not a descendant from the original Shvatim. That's one thing. Second thing I want to point out to you is that this gift that the Levi has, the Ori Halavim, is a very powerful one. And it's so powerful that it's, even though it's much smaller in, in context than the lands of the other tribes, the 48 cities, it's only 48 cities. They could be varying sizes. But the Levi's control of that land is very powerful. And that's his Achuza. Now, um, God says in Parshas Korach, it's coming up in uh, two weeks. God says clearly, Ba'artzam lo tinchao. God said to Aaron, he said, you guys are not getting anything. And in fact, there's a reason. Because you're getting truma. And it sounds like from these two psukim that the, one of the reasons why the Levi gets no land is because he gets truma. The Levi and the Kohanim, well, the, the, the Kohanim first, and then the Levi. 
the Kohanim get Truma. Okay. And therefore, they don't get land. The next Pusik says clearly, Levi, you're getting 10% of everything. Now it does say, Now it does say that the Levi deserves 10% because he's doing Avoda in the Oel Moed. Now let's be honest for a minute. Um, You know, we talk about the way things turned out eventually. Not in the Midbar when there was only uh, four Kohanim or three Kohanim or four Kohanim that was Pinchas and maybe a few extras. In Eretz Yisrael, in the period that God was referring to, the Levi spent maybe two weeks of a year uh, in the Beis Amikdash. That was it. That was the Avoda. That's Avodas Oomoed. Um, that's a pretty good, that's not bad to get, to, to have a schus. Again, you have to build a relationship to get there. But if you know how to use your personal skills well, you can find the farmer that's going to give you 10% of all his stuff, of all his grain, and you don't have to work for it. And you can see that that is what God said. He said, you know what your nachla is? Meiser is your nachla. <laughs> your nachla, you, it's right. You, uh, some of you might remember um, a, the, a movie that today is considered uh, verboten. A terrible movie. It's a racist movie. Um, I went to see it, Bob, at the Crosstown Theater, um, which was near my house uh, in Memphis. And um, it was the movie was Gone with the Wind. And you might remember um, Thomas Mitchell uh, plays Vivian Lee's father. And he talks about land, Tara, Tara, which I guess was from the Latin Terra. And he was talking about how Tara means land. Land is what you have to have. You remember he's telling, he tells her how important land is and how land is so important. Okay, so land is so crucial. Land is what makes you a person of having bias on land. Well, God says in Parshas Korach, you're not getting land. <laughs> he says, he says, you don't have a nachla. Now, when Thomas Mitchell meant that, he meant that he would have the land, Scarlet would have the land, and Scarlet's children would have the land. The point is, was land is a nachla. I always say this is like the idea of a river that flows and it keeps on flowing like a nachal. That's the idea that it, that, that it, that it, that there's a continuance. It's not, it's not just here with the people that are here, but it goes beyond you into the generations to come. That's what nachla means. It doesn't end with your death. It's something that has a certain eternity because it lives beyond you. And that's why, you know, Scarlett O'Hara in the, in the film and in the book probably fights to hold on to this land because she considers this everything. Well, God says, the Levium, you don't have Nachala. Ba'artzam lo tincha, Why? And again, if, 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 let's read it again. That, to the Kohanim, he said, Ani I am your chelik. The Bnei Levi, he says, your nachla is the miser. Um, once again, kias miser Bnei Yisrael, the miser, that 10%, that is your nachla of you. Al-Kain that's why I said to them that you don't get a nachla in with everybody else. They don't have land. They don't have Nachla's land, but they get, again, we're talking about, we're going to talk about the cities soon. The cities is their achuza, and the produce of the land that they have a right to, assuming, of course, they're doing the right personal um, you know, PR for themselves, that's their Nachla. Okay, so that's the Levium and the Kohanim's Nachla. Um, now, 
how do they get the cities? How do, how do the Levium get these cities? God says they should have it, but there's an interesting Pusik. The Pusik says, and the Rambam counts this as one of the mitzvos, Vinosnu Achuzasam. So it's interesting, although it's God's will, it's a forced gift from the rest of the Shvatim. So what's going to happen first is that there's going to be a Goro and it's going to work out that the land of Israel is going to be divided according to the tribes and there's going to be a, the, the head of the tribes, there's going to be a, a way to award to the Levium cities that are, that, are, are, that are hewed out of, that are ripped from the various tribes. Um, if you think about it, uh, the Gemara actually says in Baba Basra, it should have been, it should have been each tribe gave four um, cities to have 48. So there was some way, I don't know, and I don't, I'm not familiar with the, with the actual Talmudic or Midrashic place that speaks about how that transfer works. But I see from the Torah that it isn't just God said, this is yours. It actually can't become theirs until it's given to them by the other tribes. So there needs to be a formal allowing the Levian to have these cities. And once they're there, that's the Levian's achuza, as we saw before. The Levian have a very strong ownership on it, but it's actually a gift or a forced gift from the other tribes. And of course, then the Torah tells us exactly how these cities are uh, supposed to be developed. And, and again, we'll talk, that's really not that important to us, but it's crucial to know that there's a very strict uh, standard of what it is, that there's Ir, Migrash, and Sadeh, okay, which is the city, and then there's this open area for like a park and a place of beauty. And there's another place to provide, even though it's interesting that for Sadot and Kramim. So even though the Levium are getting 10%, the Levium could also be sort of small farmers as well. And they were, because there was actually 2,000 Amos around every city, not a huge amount. It wasn't like the Ponderosa, but it was, a, it was enough. And of course, the Ponderosa, they didn't grow anything over there. They just had cattle and stuff. But you know what I mean. It wasn't, remember that big map in the beginning of the show? You remember how giant it was that started to go on fire, if you remember in the Bonanza show. It was like, this, like it was as big as California itself, like the whole Ponderosa looked like. But the point is, is that it was 2,000 Amis. It wasn't gigantic, but it was enough for people to have some gardens and they were able to grow stuff in a modest way. And that was belonging to the Levium. Of course, the other halacha is about the fact that every city was an ir miklat for a rotzeach. Okay. Um, in fact, the Torah writes in Parshas um, Matos, I believe, V'orim asher titnu me'achuzas b'nei Yisrael me'eis, the city's dependent on really uh, the areas. Like, for example, the richer tribes, the cities would be larger. The area would be larger, it would seem. The cities would be, would be more um, expansive. That's what it says. It depends. You know. And again, there were Levium cities in every area. And it would depend really in which, you know, was it more like a metropolis? That would depend on the shavit. A shavit that had more people, so the city would be more impressive. A shavit that had less people, the city would be less expansive. That's what it says in, in, in Bamidbar about these cities of the Levim. That is in Parshas Masse. In Parshas Akev, Um, we find again this emphasis. Levi doesn't get a chelik v'nachla. God is his nachla, just like the Kohanim. 
And in Parsha Shoftim, we even have a stronger Pasuk, which the Rambam and other Monia Mitzvah say is a very important Pasuk. Lo They don't have, this is a low sase, and the Rambam actually codifies this. The Rambam says, and Hilchel Shmita Viovel, Kol Shevet Levi Muzarin Shaloyin Chalu Be'eretz Kanan. Vechain Hain Muzarin Shaloyitl Chalik Bebiza Besha Shakov Shinesarim. So not only don't they get it, but if they try to get it, they, they have violated an alosase. If they go out and somehow farm and fight and whatever they try to do to get the land, they are over alosase. And if, if, for example, when Yoshua and his armies are conquering and discovering all bunch of beautiful things in the houses that, that have been abandoned, if a levy would try to go there and take some of it, he would be high of Makos. They have no right. If they, the Rambam says, if a levy would be with the troops of Yeshua's troops, or Ezra's troops, or the Mashiach's troops, trying to get some of the stuff from the countries that we're going to conquer. If the levy would take anything, the levy would get makos. That is, the, so this is a low sase saying that the levy does not have any, um, not, not only don't we give it to him, but there's an avera to give it to him. And that's this pulse. Let's read it, read it again. We can't allow the levy to have a chalik. You can't give it to him. The levy can't take it. There's a low sase. In fact, God says, you know what his nachla is? If he's a Kohen, he gets the korbonos. The nachla so. Yochelun. His nachla is what he eats. That's his nachla. And that he passes over to his children. But he doesn't get a nachla with everyone else. Okay. So, basically, we have a situation here where, despite the exceptions that I pointed out earlier, the levy seems to be someone who, again, as a very, we, we, we put him in this box, and he has to stay in that box. Um, and he has no right to be anything else. Now, what is he doing despite, um, what's he doing despite, um, he's only up in the base on Mikdash twice a year. So let's take a look at the Rambam and what the Rambam says. The Rambam says that The Rambam is inventing an idea basically from the psukim that we just read. He doesn't invent it, but using the psukim that we just read, he now articulates this. And he says, why isn't that Levi doesn't get it? Because his purpose is to serve God now, I believe, means his two-week stint in the Beis HaMikdash area. And some of them are singers. Some of them close the doors, guard. That's, that's the service they do, two weeks out of their, of their year. But this is the important part. Ulochoros the main thing that Levi was meant to do was to teach, to be a teacher. 
So they are meant to serve God physically at the Mishkan. They're sort of like the guy nobody likes in the Mishkan, right? Get out of here. What are you doing here, kid? You're not supposed to be in there, right? They're like, they're like that, uh, you know, they're like, uh, you know, the guard that nobody likes. Yeah. And some of them are singers. Some of them are, are, are strong enough to close the doors. But the main thing which David Levy is about is about teaching to direct people about the greatness of God's uh, um, ways, who God is, and how his laws are just. And basically, what's interesting here is that they aren't meant to be just learning in ivory towers. They are meant to teach the rabbin. He doesn't say that they're meant to learn Torah. Now, again, there is this idea, and, and now we're getting into what I think is a mistake. Many people believe, and we're going to talk about it in, in depth in a couple of minutes, but many people think that, well, the yeshiva guy was learning in Kailu. The Kailu guy was learning, or Kivalevich, I hope I could be that way, I don't know, learning in my attic here and never going on Zoom, perhaps, and just learning and writing, or other people that are doing whatever they're doing. They are, in a way, being Shevet Levi. But the Rambam says, Shevet Levi is about teaching others. In other words, he doesn't say that they are meant to just sit and learn. Now, I actually believe that even though someone never gives over his learning ideas to other people, he has done an incredible mitzvah. He's learned Torah all day, and he's a tzaddik, he's davik to the Rabboni Shalom. But that's not what Shevet Levi's purpose is. And the reason why Shevet Levi doesn't get a nachla, or Shevet Levi gets this artificial nachla, that in a way is stronger than any other nachla, but very, very much uh, imposed that it has to be a certain format is because of what he's supposed to do in this format, it's supposed to be the perfect place for him to teach. So if he if he's a if he's a cold fish or some sort of you know snob who doesn't like people, that's a problem. He he has no schus really. Levi has no schus to have these cities unless they are involved in being the educators. Now, I know what I'm saying doesn't sound so, so, so novel. Of course, he's just supposed to, not supposed to teach Torah. Well, many times people could be faced with this, with this, with this problem. <laughs> right? And many people will tell you, including many Rabbanim, they were happy they were in a city. They didn't have so many people. They could sit and learn most of the day. Right, Rabbi David Karliner, one of the great poskim of the end of the 1920th century, he thanks his community for leaving him alone so he could write his svarim. Now you could say a person writes svarim, that's the same thing. Well, assuming people read your svarim uh, in your lifetime, if people don't read them, I don't know. It sounds like what you're supposed to be doing if you are in this city as a levy, you're supposed to prime yourself and train yourself to be an instructor in the best possible way. What, Rabbi Kivalevich, what, since they were in their own cities, what were they supposed to do? Go out during the day and talk to people? Okay. If that's, true, if that's true, then how would they be able to do any farming? Okay. So you're right, Bob. It's sort of like, um, I, was th- I thought where you were going with your question was, okay, they are supposed, the cities are supposed to be scattered um, you know, in a good geographic uh, map that they're probably close enough to the great centers of all the other tribes, right? And, and, and there's, there's sort of like a, a desire for, uh, I don't know why, but there should be a built-in desire for people to come and visit them there. And they're supposed to be cities that are close enough that, that, are, that, that they should expect drop-ins all the time. They should expect people coming. Now, you're saying, Bob, so who's can they send their kid out to to work their field and their garden? You know, the, again, they, they they're going to have to play it by ear. But yes, in other words, the city is really set up in, in such a way. Let, let let me show you what I mean. 
um, by a very beautiful Sefer Achinuch. We know ain lo chelik im Yisrael benachlas sados vikramim, right? They don't really have the nachla that was a byproduct of the war and the conquering, and then the splitting up of the land and the appropriation of the land. But they needed cities, Bob. They tzrichel mem al kopan and l'shevis heim ubenei and betapim v'chol chayusam, because they're not all teachers. Of course, there are small children. They have other uh, needs. They have animals. They have wives and children. But because they somehow were of a higher breed of people, because of the level they had, and because of all the good actions they did, their their erech, their value was so special. Nivchara artsam liklot kol choreg nefesh pishkaga yoser me artso sharashvotim. So, because of that, their um, their uh, cities was the place that the person who killed Bishogeg would run to. Why? Why, if someone kills Bishogeg, is that the place for him to go to be protected? So the Sefer Chinuch has two possibilities. It says, Ulai admosam One thing is, maybe the Rotseach, as we know, has something wrong with him. Uh, he needs Kapara. He did a Bishogeg, that's true. But there's obviously something wrong with his attitude and the way he has functioned that has allowed himself to kill someone. He's allowed someone to die through his actions, through his, whether it was um, uh, gross, gross negligence, was clearly he was not thinking about protective measures. He needs kapara. Where's the best place to get kapara? The Sefer Chinuch says maybe in a place that great people live. Meaning, Maybe you'll, it'll rub off on you a little bit. Maybe that place that you have these elevated people living can somehow be a place that you will change you. Since they were people that were known to have heart and mind. They were not emotionally bound creatures, humans. They were loving humans, loving people, but loving people who recognize the importance of intellect and the balance of intellect and emotion and what it means to be a fine, refined human. So you do a lakol, everyone knew, that if someone who's a shulab, a person who has killed someone, shows up. There's no way they can ever be um, bought. There's no way they would give in to emotion and somehow demonize the person who came. They're sort of like the Amish in that way, but better than the Amish, not just based out of some, you know, we just love you because you're like Jesus, but rather... The point is, is that we understand that despite your faults, we're not going to let our emotions get the best of us. And we're not going to treat you bad. And we're not going to harm you. Even if it turns out that one of the people that shows up there has killed one of their relatives or someone that they love very much. The guy, again, it was not done maliciously. We know this is a place a Rotseach is safe. And we know what is about Shevet Levi. They said 
as the Pusik, as Moshe says, they could say to their parents, I didn't see you. Now we know what the way Rashi explains this Pusik. It meant they were able to kill at the Egel their own relatives, if necessary. But the Sefer HaChinuch says, what does that mean? They could say to their father and mother, I don't see you. It means that whatever they do is not based on emotion or family connection. Whatever they do is based on the correct way of action. It's, it's based on what's right. And it has nothing to do with a pre-existing connection they have with another person. Even with their parents or their brother or their son that most everyone would find themselves altered and pushed by what their children or wives or, or, or parents would want them to do. That's not, they are, they can resist that. That's in the DNA of the Levi. So therefore, for sure, we know that they're going to give this guy a fair shake and they are not going to demonize him or somehow let that person die. Now, this just explains why they are the perfect place for a Rotseach to come. I, I want to develop this just one more piece here in the Sefer HaChinuch from Parshas Bahar. So in Parshas Bahar, he says one other thing here. When he talks about the Levim, and the cities. And Parshish Bar talks about the Pusik we saw quoted by the Rambam uh, when we're doing the Rambam. The cities have to stay the way they are. And this is a very difficult mitzvah that everything has to stay perfect. Soda, sorry, ir migrash soda. Look what the Sefer Chinov says here. Ari alavim hayunachonim litzarachay kol sharashvotim. The cities were not just for themselves. The cities were meant for the rest of the, of, the, of, of the tribes. So what did I say before? The tribes gave the cities, but look what the Sefer Chinech is going to say. They never really released those cities from their own connection. Why? Because they, they gave the cities to those to, to Levi. And Levi is Niv Chalavodas Hashem. As like we said, they, they aren't involved in the, the, the grueling, although Bob, like you were saying, they have some fields, but not the grueling, enormous task of planting and sowing and, and, and bringing in. That they didn't have to do. Since everyone knew that they had such wisdom. So people would always hang out there. They were always getting questions. They were always getting people showing up. And why else were people showing up? There was, there also had people from every tribe the right to come there free and to live there and be taken care of. So basically, it wasn't like, oh, I don't know what's going on in that city. No. The cities of the Levium was the pride of each tribe. In fact, they were almost like national cities. Why? So in other words, because you never know if you're going to need that city. <laughs> you never know if you might kill someone accidentally and need that place. So therefore, everybody knew where the Rotseach, where the, where the Ir Miklat was. Everyone knew where the Levi city was, because you never know when an accident might happen or a quote-unquote an accident might happen. So therefore, L'chein choye bedin lios osana orim those cities, look what the Sefer HaChinuch says, Yad HaKol Shova Behet. It's the Levi city, but in a way, it's everyone's. 
everyone is hanging out there to find out the the the, the, the newest question of uh, can you use this uh, Shabbos mode oven? Um, you know what should we do in terms of uh, the Maroon tragedy? Uh, what do we do about masks or not? Everybody's they're the ones that are posting. They're the ones that are telling us, and we're and we're that's where that's where we're going. And also, everyone is seeing it as their town. In fact, the Levium almost don't, as much as it's theirs, the way the Sefer Chinuch's looking at it, it's not really theirs. It's really everyone's. And therefore, because of that, since it's really the national, these cities are the national great cities of Eretz Yisrael, so they have to be perfect. They can't be, they can't be like, you know, this is the bad side of the tracks. Oh, this is where the rich people live. This is where, this is where, the, this is, this is the underside of the city. No, the whole city has to be beautiful. It's like the cities don't just represent, oh, that's where the lady lives. That's our town. That's the best town. Those are the best towns. And therefore, the, Ram, the Sefer Chinook says, you can't mess around with God's plan. They have to be perfect. Perfect. Because Adon Achokma is the one who decided that. And he knew. Look what he says. Vayar tov, like it says by the creation of the world. The same way it says, Vayar Hashem Kitov, the world is perfect the way it is. God is almost saying the cities of the Levium with this, this triumphant of city, Migrash, and Soda, that's the perfect uh, perfect topography of a city. And you want to change that? If you want to change that, then that's a negative. Okay, so let's go back to the Rambam now. What I'm trying to show you from the Sefer Chinuch is, and I want to try to finish this up, is that the Sefer Chinuch is telling us that these cities and being Shevet Levi, it isn't a free ride by any, by any stretch of the imagination. It's not the two weeks that you're in the base of Mikdash acting like, you know, you know, you know Sergeant Grumpke or, 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 or you know, or, uh, you know, Ernest Borgnine, an emperor of the North, like, you know, getting the guys off the trains. That's not what it's about. It's about living in this town. And, and, and again, I, I don't even, I'll be honest with you, Based on what Sefer explains it, I would assume there are a lot of kids that, that couldn't take the pressure because they were meant to be the, the, these perfect paradigms of, 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 of behavior and instruction. And that's the reason why they, as the Rambam says, um, they got what they got. Now, therefore, you, you can't expect them to be the Rambam says, and it's nowhere in the Gemara Mafurish that they do not go into battle. Now, it's true, Moshe did not count them. But that doesn't mean that they weren't part of the wars. It, it, it's true. All the other countings, Bob, you know, it does say, Yotzei Tzava. And these were not counted. But it doesn't say, don't let the Levi go to Muhammad. It doesn't say that. In fact, a Kohen was out there as the Meshuach Muhammad. He didn't say, hey, Levium, get out. <laughs> doesn't say that, right? When it talks about who leaves the battlefield, it doesn't say the Levies, you know, any Levium here? All right, you, come on, you guys get go. God, come on, go home. Right? But the Rambam does, Paskin, that they are not engaged in battle like everyone else. And of course, they don't have the spoils of battle, right? They don't say, oh, now we've, we've conquered Oh, now we've got some new land. No, they don't do that. And they don't have a right to say, hey, look what I found here. Hey, the, those cowards left. I'm keeping this lawn chair. No, they don't get that. They're the Chayu Hashem. Now, God says, I'll take care of them, though. Don't worry. I'm going to create a situation where it'll work out. First of all, I've created a situation in terms of Trumas and Maestros. Therefore, you know what? They don't need land and they don't need possessions. Now, here comes the Rambam that we started out with. 
Wow. Everyone? Does that mean non-Jews as, as well? It doesn't say every Jew. Every human being. That he has an honest spirit. And his brain has told him something. He's, he's come to the record, there's a realization. To be different. Not in the base of Mikdash, although it says the Levium, right? By the Levium, does it say he's Omeg Lefnei Adonai? Right? It says that he's supposed to, he's La'avod Hashem. That's true. And here it also says Lefnei Adonai. But he stands before God. Lidas es Adonai. To just know God. Not to teach God, but to know God. Hmm. And he also is a person who goes straight. What does it mean he goes straight? Does that mean he never cheats on his taxes? What that means is, he's almost like man before the sin. And he decides, you know what? I'm not going to go through everything else that people need. Which is most everybody. I'm not going to worry about making a living, everything else that I need, taking care of stuff. So that person has become Kodesh Kedoshim. Which is even more than it says by the Levian. It says, but the Rambam adds for this individual who's not a lady, he's there for the worlds and beyond this world. And he'll get what he needs. The same way the Kohanim and the Levim got. Now, David did it as well. David said, Adonai menas God, you took care of me. I decided to just be with you. And whatever my fate is, or whatever's going to happen to me, you're going to take care of me. So I'm going to ask you guys the following question. First of all, my feeling is, is that the person who's not a lady, who wants to do this, is he become like a teacher? Or is he someone who basically is a monk, almost, a hermit? He goes to know God. And he's not involved in what people need. Now, is anybody giving him trumas and maestros? <laughs> the lady, at least, has got 10% coming to somebody. Who is this person that the Rambam is talking about? It oh. sounds to me... Now, I saw Rav Chaim Kanievsky, as Ogazunstein says, that we find the term Kodesh Kedoshim by Kohanim as well. He found the Pusik, um, it's a Pusik that he found in, in Divrei Ayomim, um, Rav Chaim did, and you can see that right here. Rav Chaim um, uh, has here that what does it mean Kodesh Kedoshim? This one. Kodesh Kedoshim Kamoa Kohanim Kamoshe Kosav Aposikin Divrei Ayomim I would never have known it what does it say? Vayivodel Aaron lahakdisho kodesh kedoshim. Without Rav Chaim, I would say that the action of this individual is in a way higher than what Shevet Levi is doing. It sounds like what he's doing is not acting as a public teacher, living in this 
in this perfect town where everybody's showing up. But he's just decided that he is going to dedicate his life to God and knowing God. And, and he's so committed that he doesn't care about the normal things that, that, that human, the rat race that human beings are part of. Well, Rabbi Kivalevich? Yes. We have an example of Shmuel Anavi, who was not a Levi or a coin. He was just he was a Levi. Shmuel was a Levi. I didn't know he was a Levi. He was a Levi. He was a Levi, yes. Yes. Oh, he never was, mind. Right. Okay. He was a this, Korach. He was Korach's descendant. Yeah. So really? Shmuel, yeah. So Shmuel, but, but right, but Shmuel actually went around to people and Shmuel actually taught and gave Mishpat. This person, again, here, here's my point. The people who want to use this Rambam say the yeshiva bochum. These are the yeshiva guys. These are the kailu guys, right? And I'm asking you: Is this the kailu guy who's not veruchol vevino madoli bado amalif neadonai lishars love the vadasas Hashem, right? Again, that might be what what motivates them, but that, that's one thing. The second thing you need to say is that they get the schus of not going to war. Now, Shevet Levi doesn't go to war. It's not, right? Now, this person, remember, this person has the right to fight. And in the time of Yeshua, or even in other times, he could have actually been a conqueror. He could have been somebody who who was involved, but he's decided to change. Once he makes this decision, the argument goes, he therefore cannot be drafted to fight. And that's what Chaim Kanievsky writes here. He says, if you're a Talmud Chacham, ain't Yotz and Lemuchama, Kamo Shevet Levi. The Chayn Amru, the Gemara says, because when he wanted to save Lot, he took Talmud Chachamim away from their learning. It also mentions about Asa, the king, that he took away from their learning. Uh, so, so, so this is, I just want to make this point. Now, it's not strange that Rechaim Kanievsky writes this. He obviously believes it, but he feels this is included in the Rambam's halacha, that once a person joins here, he gets all the pturim of Shevet Levi at the time of when we had the Ari Levim. And therefore, the, the argument goes that this should apply to Talmud HaChachamim today, that they aren't part of, that they cannot be drafted uh, because of this. Um, Rabbi Kivilevich? Yes. Um, I think it kind of goes against this, I would say this, the style of Judaism, if not the spirit, it's our religion is very compartmentalized. Everybody has the role in society. And this role is really, you know, from the Torah, designate Levima to do this, Kohanima to do that, and other things. Like if somebody takes, like, they are Nazirim, right? Temporarily people can do something to elevate spirit, but then they have to go back and be uh, like regular people. So I'm not sure if this, if I can agree to, to this. I, I think that they are designated. Yeah, Kohanim Levim, yes. Uh, All right, so, so, so you, you, you have a problem, Dr. Kogan, you, don't, you, you have a problem with where the Rambam invented this from. This is your problem, right? You don't disagree with Reb Chaim Kanievsky's um, uh, interpretation that we can apply this to Talmud Echaim uh, today, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not so, sure. Right, so let me show you what Reb Chaim David Alevi, a different Reb Chaim, he was the uh, Sephardi chief Rav in uh, Tel Aviv. I just want to show you what he says about this. So he says that when he talks about this Rambam, he says Ach Yitzuyan, I need to point out Whoever does this, he honest, real learners. Hamimisim atzman ba'ola shel Torah. 
now where are they getting provisions from? They decide, you know what, I don't care. I'm going to learn. Where are they getting money from? They're going to just survive on this pittance that the Kolim give out. But the ones that aren't that way. So first of all, that aren't really masmidim in that way, and the ones that are worried about money and trying to make money on the side. First of all, they're going against the laws of the country. The country made a law. They should be drafted. And it's even worse, Rav Chaim David Alevi said, when we catch these guys and they're exposed for their now, Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim Halevi says that obviously this is a mist, although it's the Rambam saying it, it's a mystical concept that somehow learning Torah allows you to be off the hook for military service. Because that must mean that you don't look at learning Torah as just a, a wisdom, a, 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 an ability to come up with something that you now know, mitzoit, you're now an expert in something. The only way to accept this Rambam, Reb Levi says, is that you have to believe that our, the, the life of our country is connected with learning Torah. And the more we learn Torah, the more we can be protected. We call it Sarva Oyev. If you don't believe that, then this Rambam makes no sense to you. And he says, Rav Chaim David, that it's going to be hard to explain this to someone. If someone does not believe that Torah has an ability to protect us, you're not going to understand that. And he says, that's why the Hester Yeshiva program has arisen to allow, even though they don't need it, that the B'nai Torah leave the yeshiva, show the rest of the Israeli uh, community that they actually do service, like everyone else. And by doing that, they don't have to. But since most people don't understand the mystical power of Torah, the Hester Yeshiva program is able to do something very important, he says. It's able to take away the Akshus Pevelazas Fasayan. It's able to take people from murmuring and, and, and saying negative things against the Torah world. And they're Makadashem Shemayim by, first of all, most of the Hester guys who go are very strong learners. And when they go into the army, the, the other combatants, the other members of the IDF see that they are elevated in the way they act. And what happens is, they cause the other, their co-infantrymen uh, and the others that are with them together in the, in, in the troop to actually see them as models and to make sparks of tshuva within them. Because, wow. Look at these guys who are davening. Look at these guys who are so dedicated. And that actually can, can, can create a, a tshuva within these others. And that's, now, Rav Chaim David Levi says, of course, that when a war is going on and that we are under attack, then he's, and, and, and the enemy is right in the gate, then everyone, whoever he is, has to try to save lives, because that's pikuach nefesh. But he says that's only when the battle is in its in the height of the battle, when the enemy is attacking. But if the front is quiet, even though technically we're still at war, he says you should send the yeshiva, the, the people who are involved in Torah can go back to the base medrash to study Torah, and of course, God, in the schus of that Torah, can somehow protect the Jewish people.
So Rechaim Dovid Alevi is a little bit to the left of Rechaim Kanievsky, but they both believe that this Rambam is justified. The only thing I would say is, is that Rechaim Dovid Alevi is suspicious about everyone who takes the mantle of Talmud Chacham, who really isn't living up to it. And um, Rav Chaim Kanievsky does not necessarily uh, imply that at all. One last thing before we end is, um, remember we said that God will take care of them. Rav Chaim Kanievsky points out that doesn't mean that they should get money. <laughs> according to the Rambam. Because we know the Rambam was against people taking money for learning Torah. What it means is, is that they, they can depend on God that with the effort that they make, God will send them bracha. Um, because as we know, the Rambam writes clearly in Hilchas Talmud Torah. If a person says, I'm going to learn Torah and I'm going to get tzedakah from everybody else, he's machalus Hashem, mavazah the Torah, v'garam rola atzma, v'notol chayev min olam abo. It's also to be hennas medivri Torah. You're not supposed to use Torah just as a way to earn money. So therefore, and the Rambam goes on to this in his parish in Pirkei Elvis, even more length, we don't have time for that, but the Rambam, when he talks about the, the, the Shevet Levi guy, he isn't, doesn't mean that now that he's dedicated himself, he now deserves to be uh, supported. That's not the Rambam's opinion. The Rambam is, is against uh, community support of Sadaka for this person. He's going to have to work a little bit. As the Rechaim says, maybe less Ishtadlis than he had before, but he's got to do something. So even though the Rambam says you can become Shevet Levi, it doesn't mean that you announce it and now we're going to support you as this great tzaddik. The Rambam says that God, the Rambam gives a haftocha, that if a person does this, God will take care of him. So I think that what we have here. Is a very. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm Rabbi Kino, I just realized something. What Rambam is basing himself on is that on Pirkei Avot. Right. On Pirkei Avot, exactly. The, That's but, what he's basing the, himself on. Uh, again, it's a little more complicated than that. We don't have time to get into it, but it's really. The Rambam interprets Pirkei Avot the way he does because this is such an anathema to his philosophy about what Torah should be. And therefore, when the Torah says, don't make it a uh, car, don't, uh, don't make it a, a, a hammer, I'm sorry, a shovel with which to dig your, your, your fortune, this no, is what... No, no, I meant something else. I meant that uh, when somebody uh, deals with Torah, so the burden uh, is lightened. Right, right, right. right. God does, does, does adjust things somewhat for him. The point I'm trying to make is, is that I think learning this Rambam and knowing what Shavid Levy was, and knowing what they were about, I, I think my feeling is, is that you can't just say, I'm Shevet Levy. Shevet Levy, I, I think, has a unique, despite what Chaim Kanievsky says about Kodesh Kedoshim, I do think that what we're talking about is a totally, like almost a superman of a, of a, of, of a person. When he says, you, anyone can become that. You can become that, but I don't think it applies to the masses of the Koyal Yungalite, or, or, or hardly, it's, a, it's almost an infinitesimally small percentage of dedicated people that I believe this could apply to. And again, it has to be someone, he bought the Hashem This is really something that I think does not really um, align with the typical idea that you're going to sit and learn and you're going to stay in yeshiva, and you're going to go, whatever it is, it, 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 it just doesn't wash. And I think Rabbi Chaim David Alevi mentioned that, but I would go even further. <laughs> I would say, even if you have the guy who, who isn't a faker, a guy who does take the kolel check, it, is he someone 
who his whole purpose is Ladas is Hashem. Um, you really need to question yourself and see if you can be that. Shavin Levi gets it in the genes, and that's going to happen as it is. This person who 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 becomes Shavin Levi is really totally off the grid. He isn't just oh, I'm joining the ranks and I'm going to be a teacher like the Levium. The way I understand it, he is someone off the grid. He's beyond. And, and therefore, I don't really believe that it, that it applies to the standard Kolo guy or, you should, or get, not the standard one for sure. There might be, there might be a great exceptional ones that I think get this. But I don't think you can say this is the heter for B'nai Torah not to be drafted. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.